Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. John Leguizamo, the actor, works a lot. I mean, his IMDb page is closing in on 150 credits. He was in Carlito's Way, The Pest, The Ice Age movies, Tu Wong Fu, a bunch of others. And he is an electric screen presence. But that's not the only thing he does. Since 1991, Leguizamo has written and performed in a handful of theater shows. Award-winning solo shows like Mambo Mouth, Sexaholics, and Freak. They're all deeply personal and touching and hilarious. Leguizamo finds a way to talk about himself and the people in his life, and sometimes even channel those people, with a remarkably sensitive touch. His latest show is called Latin History for Morons. The title kind of explains the show's conceit. With a chalkboard and a professory-looking outfit, Leguizamo gives the audience a history of the Americas that you don't always see in textbooks. But since it's John Leguizamo, There are dozens of funny voices, there are recreations of historical figures long since dead, and it's all framed with a story about his life. A few years back, his son was bullied over his Latinx heritage at school, called a slur. Leguizamo wanted to do something about it, give him something to be proud of. He talks about that incident in the show, how it happened, how it affected his son, and as you're about to hear, how it affected him. I leave my therapist's office with an untreated chronic case of ghetto rage. And uh, t- time out, Urban Dictionary time. For anybody here who doesn't know what ghetto rage is, well, it's, it's, it's when the whole world keeps telling you that you're worthless and you fight these microaggressions daily, but when you start to lose that battle, you start drowning in this, in this self-loathing, burning rage, but... But as a Latin man, as a Latin man, you can't even get angry because Homeland Security, the f***ing INS, or the police could decide you're a threat. And the next person to be shot or deported could be you or me. Because Latin life is cheap in America. Mm. That was a pretty intense (laughs) intro. John Linguasamo, welcome to Bullseye. It's nice to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, that's one of the most intense moments in, in the night. Yeah, mostly it's you goofing around and and uh, waving a copy of the open veins of Latin America around. Yeah, yeah, or 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 in my underwear, or yeah, yeah. yeah. There's or, an extended chalk in my hair. Yeah. There's an extended underwear sequence. Yes, yes, there is. For those people who are a fan of Breaking Bad and, and old men in their drawers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but that that's an intense moment, and there's a few of them. But that one is sort of a call to what it's really like to be Latinx in America. You uh, were born in Colombia, but you grew up in New York City. Jackson Heights. Yeah, I was here when, since I was three. Yeah. So to what extent did you think of yourself as Colombian when you were a kid? Well, you know, you, you always feel like you're American until <laughs> until somebody others you. You know, and I remember that when I was like about eight or nine and uh, I'm playing with some kids and and I beat them at, at stickball. And then, they, you know, then they were like, you know, why don't you go back to your country? You suck. You suck. And I was like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, and you go home, you look at yourself. Oh, wow. I'm, I thought we were all the same, but I guess I'm not. 
you know, and then you start to realize, you know, this, these interactions keep continue to happen and you start feeling more other and more other and you start realizing, oh, wow, I have, a, I have, I, I, it develops a different perspective of America because you're not, you're no longer on the inside. You're kind of on the inside and the outside. So it gives you a bird's eye view because you're forced to look at it in a, in, from an outsider's point of view. Growing up, you also had, by circumstance, an inside-outside perspective because your family didn't stay in one place for very long, right? Well, yeah, I guess it's like the typical actor's uh, uh, sort of genesis, you know, like they're always army brats or, or like m- myself, you know, I moved every year of my life till I was about 15 and then started replicating that pattern later on in my life. Was that because of work or because of getting evicted or because of why? <laughs> it wasn't. We weren't, we weren't on the lam. We weren't on, on the witness, witness protection programs. It was It was just I, m- my parents were improving that lot in life con- every year. Every year we started out in, in an apartment where we all slept on the same bed. And then the next year we moved to another place where we had two beds. <laughs> and then we when the, finally my parents had a room of their own. And we slept in the living room. Then eventually my brother and I had shared a room. You know, just every year it improved till we had a house full of uh, renters. And they rented out every room in the house and made income that way. But, I, you know, it made me have to, it forced me to, you know, learn how to make friends real quick, real fast. And also at the same time, since I didn't have sort of shared personal stories with anybody, I always had this incredible urge to create my story to, with somebody, you know, and I guess that's what made me want to write one-man shows and to share my story in my life because I, I missed that so much growing up. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, John Leguizamo, is an actor and writer. His one-person show, Latin History for Morons, is currently touring across the country. You can also stream it on Netflix. Did you have an identity as a Colombian-American? Did, do, was there, did that mean anything to you in your life as a, as a teenager? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, I mostly felt Latin, you know what I mean? Because I was in New York City and all my friends were all Puerto Rican, Dominican, Ecuadorian, Chilean, everything. everybody was represented there. So I just felt Latin, you know what I mean? And so that, which was really nice because I felt like, I've, that felt like a community, you know? I felt like we all speak Spanish. We all have a little bit of different food, but it's all kind of similar anyway. <laughs> we all dig each other's food. We all dig salsa and merengue and cumbias and... We all dig house parties, you know, so that that was my sense of community. You know, I was thinking of that as I was watching uh, your show that, you know, growing up in California, uh, to be Latino meant, uh, you know, for people in my neighborhood, it meant to be Mexican, right, right. to some extent Salvadoran and Guatemalan, um, Central, Central American. American. Yeah. And in New York, the uh, Caribbean is big. Latino all, community all, all, is so North. much more powerful. Yeah. Like, I didn't know any Cuban people when I was a kid. You know what I mean? Like, I probably knew 10 Salvadorans. The love of my life when I was no 15 was, was a Cuban Puerto Rican girl. <laughs> yeah, I remember her well. <laughs> you want to tell me about her? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Your face is beaming oh, right yeah, now. Oh, yeah, no, it was, it, was, it was a highlight, you know, it was a highlight of my life. It was, I'm not going to say her name because she's probably married and, and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, she was stunning and she was, you know, she was... Uh, ab- uh, uh, above my uh, my pay grade, so to speak. <laughs> I think one of the interesting things about your career is that you did not get into comedy and acting through stand-up. 
or through improv or sketch. Although you you did sketch on. Theater. I did all that. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I did sketch. I did improv. I did I did all that. And, but, and but you were a theater. You're a theater dude. Like end of the day, you're kind of a theater dude. Like well, the, I don't. I didn't really love stand up that right. much. Yeah, there's only a few stand ups that I've loved my whole life, and that's Richard Pryor, and Lenny Bruce, and Jonathan Winters. Those are the three guys that have. I know I know they're old school, but but they're they're my heroes and my idols and the people I aspired to be. You know, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Winters and and uh, and Pryor are both very like I can see their influence directly in yes, their work. Absolutely. Like they are about embodying other people in right. their comedy and 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 the and the personal sharing and and the way that Jonathan Winters creates a whole world like nobody else has ever done creates a whole world you know the 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 spaceships you know he'll create all that and he creates you know the the guns you know he, he did all the sound effects he loved that and loved becoming so many different people in one scene and but, nobody nobody was doing that but like by the time you were uh by the time you were a teenager or a young adult like the stand-up world was pretty dominated by the the lane that you know Carlin and Cosby opened up which is yeah. like I'm a I'm a normal guy standing on stage right, right. telling you some ideas from my relatively normal voice right, and you know great. some sort of novelty acts as well but like nothing as theatrical as Jonathan Winters No nothing as theatrical as Jonathan Winters and nothing as daring as Richard Pryor and then I I took it a step further you know I I had I had seen Lily Tomlin's Signs of Intelligent Life, Eric Bogosian, uh, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll, and, and Whoopi Goldberg. And I was like, why? Wait a minute. I can create my own brand new hybrid of everything. And, and no one was doing that, like an autobiographical play of your life on Broadway. Freak. And that was my contribution to it. To, not, not because... I thought my life was so fascinating, quite the opposite. I just felt like my life is so average that I can create sort of a mirror to a lot of Latin people to see themselves and to and to enjoy the struggles that we go through because to me being Latin was like a superpower. Which one of those shows was the first one that you saw? Uh, Lily Tomlin was the first. Did you see it in New York on, on stage? I second acted it, unfortunately, because I was broke. So I only knew the second act. <laughs> so that means you walked in at intermission when uh, yeah. nobody was guarding the doors. Right, right. Thank you for explaining it to people. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've put out your best uh, Sunday suit that you had. And, and, and I always smoked since I was 13. So <laughs> I had a cigarette. And then you grab a playbill. And then you run to the bathroom. And then when everybody's seated and they, they do the chimes, bloop, bloop. Then you run to an empty seat, and that's how I watch. So that's what helped me write, too, because I saw so many plays on Broadway, but only the second act. I had to imagine the first act, so that's what taught me how to write. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is actor and writer John Leguizamo. The first show of yours I saw was Mambo Mouth. Oh, 1990, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, think, I, mean, I think I saw it a few years later on VHS. You know, Most likely, yeah, 1994 yeah. or something like Bootleg, that. Bootleg copy, pirated. I definitely didn't see it on HBO. <laughs> I can't claim to have had HBO as a child. Somebody filming it, you see them bouncing up and down and people crossing your front. I, I definitely remember when I got basic cable, so premium cable was not in the picture. <laughs> Nobody could afford that nonsense, man. Everybody was getting illegally, and I remember trying to get all the illegal boxes so you could watch HBO. Uh, Mambo Mouse w- was a show that was... 
kind of vignettes from one neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very good, man. Can you tell me a little bit about where it came from? Well, I was in my acting career and uh, kind of like very disappointed in Hollywood or Hollywood and the fact that I never saw Latin people in any positive way, even though we we were almost equal to white in whites in population size in New York City, there was never anything on us anywhere. And I was going, wait a minute, what is going on here? There, there's you had a, done what? Like you had done like an epi- a, a few episodes. I did some of Miami TV Vice. I did some. Um, uh, I did a movie, Casualties of War, with um, uh, Sean Penn and, and, and Brian De Palma and Michael J. Fox. I, I I've done some other some other movies at the time. But it was all like, it's like it was always like so, uh, you know, the drug dealers and 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 I was so tired of that. You know, it's crazy because look, we're. It's a, it's a. I mean, even right now, it's a cultural apartheid. I mean, we're thirty five percent of population in New York City, and white people are thirty five percent of population of New York City. We're the same exact population size. Less than one percent of the positive stories, in the New York Times. Or any magazine, the New Yorker, New York Magazine, the Post, are about us, and yet we're doing tons of incredible things. We're we Latin music is number one in the world right now. Jay Balvin is the the most played musician on Spotify. Six or seven of the top ten hit masters are all Latin. Uh, Jay Balvin, Ozuna, uh, Rosario. Uh, Camilla Cavello, uh, Cardi B, Bruno Mars, J-Lo. I mean, it's crazy. And yet, in Hollywood, where we're 50% of the population and less than 3% of the faces in front of the camera, behind the camera, that's cultural apartheid. And we and we buy 25% of the United States box office. So we were talking about Mambo Mouth. So this is like you're, you're, a, you're a young man, you're like in your late 20s or something like that when, when you oh, did yeah, Mambo yeah. Mouth? Oh, yeah, 26. Yeah, so uh, where did the show come from? Uh, you want to go back to that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Staying on point. Uh, well, it was, it was, it, 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 I just felt the lack of representation of Latin people and, and, and what I started to see personally, sort of, sort of the exclusion of us. I wanted to, to talk to everybody I knew I grew up in. So I did the show for every, myself and everybody I grew up with and it's to see ourselves and to spoof the media and to spoof what was going on and how the media saw us. And uh, so I did this show and, and, you know, it was in the, you know, nobody, people believed in it, but not really. They didn't know what to do with me. So they put me in the hallway of the American Place Theater and I, I went up at seven. I had to be done by nine where the real main stage show would go on in, in, in the real theater. I had 70 fold up seats, but then the reviews came out and there was Al Pacino in the house and, and Sam Shepard and Arthur Miller. Olympia Dukakis, George Plimpton. I mean, here were all these illustrious people in this tiny hallway of in a makeshift platform stage. And then they would remove all my stuff and and I would make sure I run around real quick and shake hands with, you know, Sam Shepard and talk to him and Arthur Miller. And that was the beginning of what I wanted to do. But not till it was on HBO did it really reach the audience I was dreaming of targeting you know when it hit hbo everybody had their bootleg copy of mambo mouth and and people started recognizing me on the street and and filled with so much joy that i i could represent them in a way you know it was very interesting for them to feel seen 
to feel seen is such an incredible feeling for a Latinx person when you don't see yourself seen except negatively constantly. I feel like the thing that was moving to me at the time when I saw the show, when I was 13 or whatever it was, was while I grew up in a you know West Coast city completely different from New York City, yeah, yeah. I still felt very deeply this thing about living in the city, which is the number of people that you see mm-hmm. every in every action that you take, every time you go to the corner store or bodega, um, <laughs> every time you go to the corner store, you know, the people that you interact with and every single one of those people is a human being with a full life. Right. And, you know, maybe you have windows into little pieces of their life. But what I loved about the show was that it felt like it was an attempt to show the humanity of all these people mm. that surround us in a place mm-hmm. like the city. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that 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 was my purpose. I I I wanted to to show people how funny we are and 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 to celebrate our culture. And, and yet but yet I I had a dark side, so it was always had a a dark element to it. You know, I I always felt like American comedy was kind of light and, and glib and I I think I helped change that in comedy to add a lot more darkness, a lot more edge, a lot more aggressiveness and a lot more sexuality to it you know it's bullseye i'm jesse thorne my guest is john leguizamo let's listen to a clip from leguizamo's first off-broadway show mambo mouth in the show john plays seven different characters from his past growing up in new york city manny the fanny is one of them a sex worker with a sharp wit and a good heart in this clip manny's telling a story about being cheated on and getting revenge when I caught wind and I did, Sleeping Beauty awoke. And I came home early one night and I unscrewed all the bulbs in the house and I hid in the closet with an iron in one hand and crazy glue in the other. <laughs> and I waited. Nine o'clock, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. I thought he was never gonna come, right? But at exactly midnight, in sachets, the Judas hijo de all right? <laughs> Trying to turn the lights on and calling my name all lovey-dovey and such. Oh, Manny, baby, I got something for you. I got something for you. I got something for you, too. <laughs> and I just held my breath because this girl wasn't about to let his magic wand cast a spell on her again. <laughs> I think I I uh, I I like my memory was vividly triggered by crazy gu- crazy glue <laughs> yeah. in la otra in la otra <laughs> crazy stories, man. I mean, yeah, they're all like sort of compilations of things I ha- I had heard people tell me in urban legend and and just it, it just personified it, you know, gave it a body and a and a voice. There's kind of a sweetness to it. Like I know that you're. I know that you're telling us about how edgy and dark you are. Yeah. And that's true, sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Very sexual, et cetera. True, true that. <laughs> um, but I, one of the things I remember is, you know, some of these characters are big, but they all have a real, like you have a real regard for all of them. Right, a respect. and a, Yeah, I mean, I respect their lives, no matter how different they are from mine, I feel like we all share this planet and we're all otherized. So 
I got to give them some heart. You know, I mean, I felt always felt like I connected to everybody. More with John Leguizamo still to come. After the break, we'll talk about how he deals with racism nowadays, both as a writer and as a father. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor ZipRecruiter. Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee, so he went to ZipRecruiter, posted his job, and found the right person in just a few days. Find out why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash bullseye. B-U-L-L-S-E-Y-E. Think of NPR's Life Kit as that friend who always has great advice about everything from how to invest to how to get a great workout. We bring you tools to help you get it together. New episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Listen and subscribe to Life Kit All Guides. Hi, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. It's a podcast that we do as uh, we may, we are married. And how's the ad going so far? Because I think it's going very good. <laughs> we talk about things we like every week on Wednesdays. One time Rachel talked about pumpernickel bread. It was so tight. You cannot afford to miss her talking about this sweet brown bread. We also talk about music and poems and, you know, weather. There is one... Weather? <laughs> one time Rachel talked about Baby Beluga, the song, for like 14 minutes. And it just really blew my hair back. <laughs> so check us out on MaximumFun.org. It's a cool podcast with chill vibes. Amber is the color of our energy, is what all the iTunes reviews say. <laughs> they will now. It's Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is John Leguizamo. He is, of course, a super famous actor who has been in over 100 movies and television shows. He's also a writer who created and starred in a handful of powerful and hilarious one-man shows over the course of his career. His latest, Latin History for Morons, is on tour across the country and on Netflix. When you wrote Freak, it was one of the first times you had really written about yourself. Right. That was the first, that was the first time, because Grandma was kind of me and my family, but it was all fictionalized, which is usually, <laughs> it's what people usually do. And then but by Freak, I was like, no, there's a lot of stuff that I need to talk about that, that happened to me personally that I hope gives other people inspiration, you know, just growing up in, in New York City and and just how aggressive, you know, my situation was at home and outside and how you survive it. And humor was what saved me. There, There's a moment in the new show uh, where you are portraying yourself in therapy with your therapist. Who, my new therapist yeah. of, the, of the time, yeah, yeah. which you're, I love, Dr. T. You're now, you're now therapist. My current therapist. Who you describe as talking like Tim Gunn. <laughs> um, and... You're, you know, sort of the through line of the show is that you're looking for, you're looking for a Latin hero for your kid mm. who's writing a history report, right? And there's this moment where you're sitting in therapy and your therapist asks you in his Tim Gunn voice, well, <laughs> if you're looking for a Latin hero, what about your father? Uh. And you don't do much with that in the show. You kind of let it lie. You kind of move in a different direction from there. But it's very powerful because you don't reply with, <laughs> right. thanks, yeah. thanks for the insight, Dr. T. <laughs> yeah. And that, that was a lot of what 
uh, a lot of what your you know freak and your other autobiographical work has been about that's a right. significant I mean, thing yeah i mean freak was all about my coming of age and my relationship with my dad and uh i felt like i i had dealt with it and i was hoping that you know the people coming to see me already had the history, the backstory. And if you didn't, you know, you can look it up or you can make it up in your mind, you know, as to why he's not my hero. I mean, it's <laughs> I think it's particularly consequential because of the fact that the reason you're looking for a hero is for your own son. Right. Because he cut to 2012 uh, and my son is being bullied at school the same way that I was bullied and it's like, how is this happening in the modern world? How is this happening in New York City in this private school? And you're like, it, it can't be happening to my son. I can't. And so that's why that was kind of the genesis of the show was my trying to give my son facts and Latin heroes and Latin contributions and things he could fight and, and arm himself with, ammunition to defend himself without using his fists, without having to resort to the way that I grew up. And uh, I wanted to be an involved dad. And what ended up happening was like, oh my God, I'm the one that's being unmoronized. I'm the one that's being destupefied and shown that we land people made America. You know, the facts that I started to come up with were crazy. Like we're, we're the second oldest ethnic group in America after Native Americans. That we're the only ethnic group that has fought in every single war America's ever had that we're the most decorated minority in each and every single war. And I'm talking about American Revolutionary War, where 10,000 unrecognized Latino patriots fought, where we had Cuban women in the American Revolution, in Virginia, sell their jewelry, the hoop earrings, the door knockers, and gold teeth, to feed their patriots. And Galvez, who had an army of misfits, of like they're like the Mets of armies, he had 3,000 Puerto Ricans, Cubans, Mexican-Americans, freed slaves, and Native Americans, and they kicked them. He was like the George Washington of Louisiana, Mississippi, and Pensacola. He kicked the British out. Then he donated $70,000 worth of weapons to George Washington. So we, too, are the sons and daughters of the American Revolution. These facts changed me. I can no longer be the John I used to be before these facts. I have been transformed. No one can make me feel less anymore. You're listening to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. I'm talking with John Leguizamo. He's currently starring in his one-person live show, Latin History for Morons. It's touring the country now and on Netflix. How important is it to you that your identity encompasses as you said, being Latin, right? Being Latino or Latinx, yeah. rather than being Colombian or Puerto Rican, or in addition to being Colombian yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or Puerto Rican, that there is that there is a commonality with, with people who are in, you know, people who are in Peru and people who are in yeah. the Dominican and people who are in, you know, Chihuahua. I, I just feel like they're my brothers and sisters. Just like Americans feel like Californians and, and New Yorkers are brothers and sisters. I mean, we're all, I, I, I feel their pain. I feel their joy. And I, I just think a little bit of an accent and a, a different spice in your food is not going to make me feel different than you. It's not enough to differentiate me from you. We, and, I, and I see them come to my shows, people from all walks of life, because when I start drawing the, 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 the South American map, Central American, Caribbean you hear everybody. Yeah. It's their shout out time. 
and uh, it's beautiful. Yeah, he's just like in the audience, there's somebody's just going, Mofongo! Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when, when you get to the Dominican, and I go, oh, tigre, oh, tigre, which is my Dominican shout out. And uh, it's beautiful to see it. And you know what? Here I'm on the West Coast. Obviously, it's so interesting because when I'm in New York, when I say Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and South America, you know, they, the, the, the place you can't even hear because it's so loud. And here's the opposite. When I go to Mexico, it's boom, you know, it. And then, the, and then Puerto Rico is a little smaller, Colombia is small, <laughs> and Dominican Republic is small. It's like, oh, wow, so interesting. But they still shout out in the same sort of proud, powerful way to be heard and seen. There's two, there's two moments in the show where the audience has that reaction. One is when you're drawing a map on the blackboard, as right. you described, and, and talking a, a little bit about the different places in Latin America. And the populations of the, of the empires, yeah. Yeah. Taino, Incan, Aztec. And there's a, another moment where you just list dance beats. Like, you're like, okay, cumbia. Right, right. You're like, Tango. Go, go through the yeah. list. <laughs> and, like, you can tell where people's loyalties lie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's certain music, you know, like, I know a lot of Puerto Rican people say, where's salsa? But I, I have it in the, it's a closing song, is, is salsa. Yeah, because you very, you, I was, it was conspicuous I enough to me. I would end up being like so Katie. I know people are serious about their salsa. If you're not, if you're not the right salsero, they're going to, they're, they're going to get up in your business Oh yeah, it. they're going to, they got up in my business. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I just couldn't do, I couldn't weave it incorrectly. And I just couldn't do more because I'm already exhausted. <laughs> like, I'm trying, still working on that cha-cha. <laughs> oh boy. But I got the cha-cha, I got the bombo, I got the samba. And I got the cumbia and the, uh, what was the opening one? Tango. Yeah. So I covered a lot. <laughs> and then I got merengue in there. I got merengue later on when, I, when, I, when uh, I'm doing the, 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 the talking to the policeman and, and trying to pass for white. And then he puts on the merengue and I can't stop dancing. <laughs> and then I so I out myself. Do you think your son has a different relationship to being Latino than you do? Yeah. You know, because my son is half, you know, he's half white. And half, you know, he's 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 a, a mixed kid, and and he's you know half Jewish, so yeah, he is, he is a little bit of different, you know, it's a little bit different. He, you know, because he he presents whiter, you know, so that that has a lot to do with it. Does he present as white? Like, do you think he do you think he passes if he if nobody says anything? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But you know, but he's got his deep heritage. You know, he always listens to hip hop. Hip hop is his is his jam. You know, he tried to speak Spanish. <laughs> you know. Uh, he loves girls uh, of color, so it's all good. How, how do you think? Uh, how do you think his experience is different, other than just being half? Like, what do you think it means to him that's different? Because part of this show is about you trying to teach him something about yeah. what it means, right? Because, yeah, I mean, he was racially profiled mostly, I guess, because of his relationship to me. So. I mean, I guess it hasn't been that long yet, you know. That's the problem with using your traumas in your work. Because, <laughs> you know, you're talking about stuff that's really, really painful and... Uh, as my therapist says, it's it's a way to 
it's uh, he says it's it's like you play God with your own trauma by by putting into your art, then you have control of it and it doesn't control you. Which is such a beautiful way of putting it. I mean, I I know a lot of comics, and I often think that doing comedy is a way of controlling your relationships in the same way. Like, yep. It's I, a way of dealing. All art, all art is dealing with. I mean, back then they used to say just fixations or, or obsessions, but a lot of it is just really trauma or 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 or, or the issues that 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 demonize you, that control you. I imagine that you wanted your kids to feel like that part of them that came from you was great and beautiful mm -hmm. and not a source of pain or a stumbling block or whatever. Right. I mean, I definitely wanted them to feel pride about themselves and and their jewish side is called and of, and of their white side you know i'm not i'm not anti-white i mean that's that's crazy you know I, I want them to be proud of being white and jewish and as as much as they are latin indian and black in in them you know i want it all to be equal i just asking to be equal that's all well john leguizamo i'm grateful to you for taking the time and i'm grateful to you for doing this work for yourself and your family and for everybody that sees the show. Thank you, my brother. John Leguizamo. Latin History for Morons is currently in the middle of a massive national tour. It wraps up in L.A. on October 20th with more dates to come. You can also watch the show on Netflix. We'll have more on all that on our website, the Bullseye page, at MaximumFun.org. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is produced at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where my producer Kevin has noted the question of the week, can pigeons swim? Have you been doing research into that, Kevin? He says no. He has not been doing research into that. Just, to, just something that he's been, he's been mulling over while he looks out the window. Our show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien, and our production fellow is Jordan Cowling. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team, thanks to them and to their label, Memphis Industries, for letting us use it. And we have two decades of past Bullseye interviews. You can find them all at MaximumFun.org. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. You can keep up with the show there as well. All of our past episodes also available in your favorite podcast app. I guess that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. 